0: as they are leaving i'm going to invite you to open in your bible to romans chapter five romans chapter five as you're turning in your bible i do need to express two uh... two great big thanks um, we've had two people more than that uh... a lot of people seem in our church family to have had some physical issues lately But two of those people that have had them are here this morning. Fred Langliers is in the back there, and Dora Harris is right over here. Both of them went through some pretty major physical struggles over these last uh, couple months, couple weeks. And both of them want me to let you know, as their church family, how appreciative they are for your prayers. Uh, Obviously, prayers have worked. They're here today, and we're very, very grateful for God's answering of those prayers and so uh, we want to bow now and turn our heads to the Lord and hearts to him and ask him to work and move so let's thank the Lord father we do give you thanks thank you father that no matter what you are good all the time you are good and father we are so grateful that that we get to celebrate and rejoice these two lives who who are healthy and and back with us at least healthier and so Lord we give you praise and thanks for that Thank you for them being here today. I pray that this time together would be a blessing, not only to them, but each and every one of us who are here today, that we might be able to look into your word, that we might be able to rejoice over the truth that we discover, especially as we continue talking about salvation and justification. And so, Lord, we we pray your blessing upon our time now, and we ask these things and pray them in Jesus' name. Amen. Good to see you. How you doing? Kind of okay. I'm not sure. You're quiet. That's okay. That's good, but um, I trust that today you again are here and we want to look into the Word of God. And I want to start this morning with a principle. As we talk about justification and specifically, oh, magnificent justification, I want to start off with a principle. And the principle is this the greater the knowledge, the greater the appreciation. The greater one understands of a certain subject, the greater they will appreciate that subject. The more we learn about something, the more we can appreciate that something. So, let me give you a few examples. Oops. Music, mechanics, and of course manicures. I did that for you, okay? Yeah, You got it, Kelly. Manicures and medical. So, so music. Now, you don't have to know all there is to know about music to appreciate music, right? But when you understand music theory, and you understand all that, that goes into writing a good song with lyrics and, and, and music, and, and you understand somewhat of playing a musical instrument, then you have greater appreciation when you hear good music, right? I mean, I, I play a little bit of guitar, I haven't played for too long, but I really, because I know a little bit about guitar, I really can appreciate a really good guitarist, right? So when you you have a greater knowledge, you have greater appreciation. How about mechanics? Now, I am not in any way, shape, or form a mechanic. I don't even play one on TV, okay? I don't want to be a mechanic. I'm not good at it. I get frustrated by it. But I know there are some people who are really good at working on a motor. And they know all there is to know almost about engines. And they can tell you maybe even what's wrong with your vehicle by you just describing the symptoms. And they know enough that they can appreciate what's going on. And they're the ones that, you know, that that hear the roar of a muscle car, you know, off in the distance, and they can tell you the size of engine and what model it is and maybe even what year it is and they, they know so much and they appreciate it so much more. Manicure, I mean who doesn't like a good manicure, right? Who doesn't appreciate that, right Kelly? I mean I, I was looking for an M word so I had to find something and manicure came up and, and, and I thought you know seriously I, I mean I, I don't know much about that either, right? But I understand it takes, you know, some knowledge and some good skill to, to get a good manicure, you know? And then how about medical? I do know a little bit about this in certain areas. Um, when our daughter was diagnosed with diabetes and then later on our other daughter diagnosed with MS, we learned a lot about those medical things. And we learned what was going wrong and we learned about good doctors and good treatment and we appreciated that as we grew in that so there are certain things that the more knowledge you have the more you will appreciate it right are you with me I want to lay down this principle and I want to get it in our heads today because of this reason I believe this is true of our salvation as well the more we know about our salvation the greater the appreciation we will have for our salvation. Are you with me? The more we understand, the more we know, the more knowledge we have concerning our salvation, the greater appreciation we will have for our salvation. It's what the Apostle Paul says. He has this incredible appreciation for salvation, and that's why our key verse. Uh, Two verses in Romans start this all off with, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to those who believe, or everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous will live by faith. The Apostle Paul is saying it's all about salvation. Salvation is so wonderful. In it is the power of God. In it is is the righteousness of God being revealed. He is just loving salvation because the Apostle Paul understands so much of what has happened when one is saved. Today, we're going to continue talking about salvation because we're still in Romans. And today, we're going to Think on this very, very incredible truth that the more knowledge we have of our salvation, the more appreciation we will have for it. Keenan and I were talking a few weeks ago, and just mentioning that I know for me, and I get more out of the study and, and preaching of this than you do, I'm sure, but but it has been incredible for me. Things that I'm that I'm reviewing and some learning all over again about salvation has just brought this. <sighs> like that, breathless. It's like, I wow, it's more than just being saved from hell. This is an incredible, incredible thing. And the Apostle Paul is going over this idea of salvation and he wants us to understand more and more about it so we will appreciate it oh so much more. And so today, we're going to continue talking about these first part of of salvation that he unfolds for us in Romans. We said there's three parts. Justification, sanctification, and glorification. Justification is what we're talking about. It's the idea that immediately, the moment that I put my faith in Jesus Christ, by God's grace, I was made righteous before God. I entered into this right relationship with God. My sins were forgiven, and I was wrapped in his righteousness. Sanctification is an ongoing process. It's becoming in practice who I am in Jesus Christ. It's becoming more and more conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That's sanctification. and glorification is that day, right? That day. Do you long for that day? Oh man, the older I get, the more I long for it. That day when everything becomes reality. When I get to see Jesus face to face. When I am glorified with Him in heaven. And we're going to talk about this some more today. But what we're focused on is justification. And we define justification this way. It is the gracious act of God whereby, one, He forgives the sins of all who put their faith in Christ Jesus. And two, He credits to them the righteousness of Christ. It's more than forgiveness from sin. It's being made righteous, but not in my own righteousness because even after I'm saved, I still mess up, right? Are you with me? You're with me saying, yes, you do mess up, right? That's what you're saying. I know. We still mess up. We're not righteous. But that's when we get clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. <laughs> How righteous is Jesus Christ? Perfectly righteous. 100% righteous. He is absolutely righteous. And when we are justified by God's grace through faith in Jesus, we are made righteous. The same kind of righteousness that Jesus have has now, we are clothed in. And so what we come to understand is this, right, this justification that we're talking about is something that Paul continues to, to, to bring in here. And in these first two verses, we're only going to look at first at two verses of Romans chapter 5. But in Him we will see this justification. And we're talking about justification, and we're going to continue talking about justification because it is so important for us to get. I would submit to you that if you don't fully understand or even begin to comprehend your justification in Jesus Christ, you will be on a certain level. But when you start to understand more and more of justification... Oh my goodness, there's going to be more confidence. There's going to be more boldness. There's going to be more hope. There's going to be more intimacy with God. You're going to understand things at a new level and you're going to jump up to a new level in your walk with Jesus Christ. And that's why Martin Luther, as I've had on the screen, and I've seen many of you not listening to me because you're reading the quote, My Mistake. But Martin Luther, the great reformer, said this, every week I preach justification by faith to my people because every week they forget. I love it. See, I can give you an example of this. Are you ready? I can give you an example. When it comes to justification, many people in America aren't all that interested. And here's why I can say that. We started facebook live every monday twelve thirty. we kind of do a, a a follow-up to sunday sermon and i want to tell you the top views that we've received are two basically uh there there we did one called dealing with doubt turning doubt into declaration as of early this morning that received 756 views which i'm like blown away Last week, last Monday, taking off of that idea of peace with God, we talked about overcoming anxiety with the peace of God, and so far that's gotten 618 views. These are, these are hot-button topics. You start talking about anxiety, you start talking about doubt, and people want to hear that. But i got to tell you, a while back I did one called Three Glorious Results of Justification. You know how many views that received? 130 130 see the truth is we do forget about justification The truth is, we're not all that excited to study it until we start to know it. And then when we start to know it, my prayer for this morning is that it will ramp us up to want to learn more about justification. Because today, what we're going to do as we look at this idea of justification is we're going to look at three marvelous realities of justification found in these two verses. Would you follow along as I read Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Here we're going to see three marvelous realities of justification by faith. One we already talked about last week. Last week we talked about the first one. Notice what he says, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, so, so this is something we have by faith, by God's grace, through our faith in Jesus Christ, we've been justified. We've been forgiven of our sins. We've been clothed in the righteousness of God. And one of the realities that comes from that is that we now have peace with God. Last week we looked at that and and we, we needed to be reminded that what Paul has talked about all along since verse 18 of chapter 1 is how God's righteous indignation, His wrath... It's to be poured out upon unrighteousness and ungodliness. And Paul has started from verse one, or verse 18, chapter 1, all the way through the middle part of chapter 3, helping the reader, us, you and me, understand that there is none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. Therefore, we all stand condemned as objects of God's wrath. wow i don't know about you but that's really scary to think about i mean i've experienced the wrath of other people here on earth and that's been bad but can you imagine being object of the wrath of the creator of the heavens and the earth that's what we're told that's what that's what Paul has been unfolding here. He's been revealing to us that all of us stand condemned. None is righteous. See, here's the point. See, we're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. And those and as sinners, we all deserve the wrath of a holy, righteous and just God. That's the bad news. But here's the good news. See, we used to be enemies of God, but when we, by God's grace through faith, were justified, made right with God, all of a sudden now, that enmity has disappeared. There's been a reconciliation. We are now made right with God. We are entering into a relationship with God, not one of, of hostility, but one of tranquility, one of peace, one of harmony. That's the peace of God. And so we we looked last week at this truth that, that, that we are brought into a right relationship. We said this peace with God is not based upon our emotions. Sometimes we may feel different, but the truth is we, if we have been justified by grace through faith, we are at peace with God. And to be at peace with God means that no longer am I an object of God's wrath. I've been reconciled to Him. And now, listen, here's what I said last week. We're an object of God's pleasure. Pleasure. And it's hard for this old, old grown-up conservative, this evangelical, this, this legalistic, mind that I have, it's hard for me to even comprehend that I might be pleasing to God. But the truth is, it's only possible because of Jesus Christ. And when I'm wrapped in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, I'm an object of His pleasure. Amen? There's this peace with God that takes place. But let's follow through. Let's go on here. Let's look further. And what we see in verse 2 is this. Through him, we've also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. So justification by faith not only brings peace with God, but it bestows the grace of God. Now, this is going to take some explanation, okay? So will you bear with me? I'm going to try to explain it as best as I can, but I want you to understand a few things that are in this verse, verse 2, the beginning of verse 2. What you need to understand is this idea of having access into the grace is a past tense deal. In other words, it's not something that can happen right now. It is something that has already happened happened. It's a done deal. Whether we felt it or not, whether we believed it or not, the moment that by God's grace we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we were justified. And as a result of that, right then, in that moment, we were ushered in to the grace of God. The grace of God. His grace we were ushered in. So, so there's this idea that it's, it's, it's not that maybe I can get into the grace of God or, or now I have possibility to access it. No, it's something I'm already in. It's something I'm already or part of. I'm already a part of His grace. But this also brings with it, the the, the Greek here also makes us understand that in order for us to to have access, and that word access, another word that could be easily translated is introduction. In the past, we had introduction when, by God's grace, we put our faith in Jesus. We had introduction to the grace of God. But the emphasis in that is this. In order for us to be introduced into the grace of God, there had to be an introducer. You get it? It's not on what I did. It's on somebody introducing me into the grace of God. Namely, the Lord Jesus Christ. I was introduced to God. When, at five years old, I put my faith in Jesus Christ by God's grace, late one night, laying in my bed, all alone, and it's like Jesus took my hand, and he took me to the Father, and he goes, Father, I want to introduce you to Jeff. He once was blind spiritually, but now he sees. He once was dead, but guess what? He's alive in me. He once was a sinner, but now he's wrapped in my righteousness. Father, I want, you to, I want you to see that this Jeff now is a child of yours. And Father, because of all this, you can treat him the same way you treat me. <laughs> Does that take your breath away? We have been introduced by Jesus Christ into the very grace of God. It's an incredible thing. It's an amazing thing that God would allow us into his presence in the first place, but as we're introduced, he showers his grace upon us. So let's talk about this. What is the grace of God? First of all, we know, and and many of us who have grown up in church or been in Sunday school long enough, uh, we understand that grace is literally means unmerited or undeserved favor. Another way of looking at it is is to have preferential treatment. right? I've never been to a spa. Have you? Some of you have. There you get preferential treatment, right? (laughs) It's like the spa of heaven has been opened up to us. That's what it's like. We have this this grace of God, this unmerited favor. We have preferential treatment only because of Jesus Christ. Only because He has introduced us into this and we have this grace. We have this grace. It means that His infinite power is no longer against the sinner but is now for those who are justified. So that Hebrews 14.6 is true when it says... Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Here's the first op- uh, uh, application of this idea of the grace of God it means we can go to Him with confidence. Now, I don't know if you're like me. Uh, chances are some of you are. And you're like, no, I don't want to be, Jeff. I don't want to be. But some of you might be like me in this. I'm guilt driven. And I always feel like it's my fault. If somebody responds awkwardly or oddly to me, I always think, what did I do? What did I do? What did I do? What did I do? There are other people who don't think that at all. I won't tell you who, but I'm married to one. Anyway, <laughs> and, 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 but I'm always thinking, what did I do? What's, what, what did I do? See, and therefore, I feel very, very bad about myself. See, it's easy to take that in my relationship with the Father. Oh, God, you, I know you say to come, but, oh man, I blew it again. I can't believe the thought I had back here. I can't believe the words I said over here. I can't believe what I did just now. I can't come to you. You don't want me. That's my guilt-driven personality. But here's the truth. Because I have been introduced to the grace of God, God stands with His arms open wide He's not shunning me. He's not looking down his nose at me. Oh, certainly he wants me to confess sin. I'm not getting away from that. Please don't understand that, me saying that. But what I want us to understand, we need to change our mentality. Justification means I'm wrapped in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It means that as God sees me, he sees me as righteous. And he's not shunning me. He's not looking down his nose at me. He's not waiting for me to mess up so he can get me and instead he says come i love the message listen to hebrews 4 6 in the message so let's rock right up to him and get what he so is so ready to give take the mercy accept the help i love it did you see that take what he is so ready to give When you are in Christ Jesus, you are standing in His righteousness. That means God the Father in His grace is ready to give you grace. Oh my word! This is incredible. But I want to tell you that this idea of grace in our text today means riches. It's just not a little sliver of grace. It's just not a little trickle of grace. The floodgates are open. This is overflowing waterfall of God's grace. It's riches, it's riches, it's riches. And so as He bestows the grace of God upon us, we need to understand that there's riches in this grace. So because of our justification, we can can enjoy the riches of this grace. Listen to what John Piper says. John Piper says, all the power that once stood in service of God's anger against us, His wrath, now stands in the service of His grace toward us. Stop and think. I'm sorry, did I wake the baby? I can't help get excited about this stuff. All that stood as God's anger against us as sinners now has been changed and transformed into grace. There's riches here. And so the scriptures tell us in Romans chapter 10 and verse 12 for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is the Lord of all, listen, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. His riches! His riches! In other words, when we have entered into the grace of God, introduced by Jesus Christ, by grace, through faith, guess what? We don't get just a little bit of grace. We get riches of His grace. It's overflowing. And some today do not feel they are worthy of it. And guess what? You're absolutely right. You're not worthy of it. That's why it's grace. It's unmerited favor. It's undeserved. But it's true nonetheless. See, one of the magnificent, the marvelous realities of justification, that part of my salvation, is that now, not only do I have peace with God, I've been reconciled with Him, but now I am operating, I am living life daily, moment by moment, with the overflowing grace of God. Oh boy, oh boy. This is good stuff, right? Right? Yeah? So he bestows grace on us when we are justified. But finally, look at the middle part of verse 2. Here's our third marvelous reality. Verse 2, he says, And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. See, justification by faith bears now the hope or hope of the glory of god now now what we need to understand is let's dissect this let's take this statement apart paul says we rejoice you know what that word means elsewhere he has used it in previous chapters and he'll use it again in later chapters and he'll it's been translated in the english to boast right it is to take glory in something that i have it is to boast about, for those of you who are mechanics, my car, right? My red, right? Candy apple red Camaro. Where is he? Right there. But, it, but, it, but it's boasting. It's like, look what I have. Look what I have. Look, look at what I have. And, and some of you are techies, and, and, and maybe some of you do this. You're like, look at this phone. It's the Apple 11 pro max right and you take glory in your phone and i love my phone my phone brings me such joy right that's what it means to rejoice paul says though our rejoicing our boasting our celebration is not in us not in not in in, in the things that we have here on earth no no it's in hope of the glory of god now that word hope many of you know does not mean a wishful thinking kind of hope See, today we say, I hope today warms up, and we're not sure if it will or not, you know. But but when the Bible uses the word hope, it means confidence, it's assurance, it's anticipation, it's expectation. It's a confident anticipation of what's to come. And so Paul says, here is another marvelous reality of justification. We rejoice, we boast in the confident assurance we have of the glory of God, the glory of God. So what does the glory of God mean? Bear with me. Are you still with me? Okay. I'm going to zip through this, but we could spend the rest of the day here. Hey, why not? We, we have till six, right? We could just stay till Never mind. Okay. Anyway. So, so here we have, when he says the glory of God, I want to give you two understandings here. Two understandings about this glory of God as Paul uses it. So remember, we rejoice. We boast in the confident assurance we have of the glory of God. What is that glory of God? Number one, it is confident assurance that the glory of God will be revealed to us. Will be revealed to us. Listen to Romans 8, verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. God's glory will be revealed to us. Wait, don't, don't, don't look at that. Don't look at that yet, okay? God's glory will be revealed to us. Now think of Scripture. Think of people that saw the glory of God. You think of Moses, right? The Scripture says in in Exodus that he saw God, he spoke to God face to face as one man to another. Think of Isaiah. Isaiah saw the Lord lofty and exalted in the temple. Think of, of, of the apostles. John writes it in John chapter 1, verse 14. And he says, listen, here's what happened. The Word, that is Jesus Christ, became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen His glory, glory, as of the only Son from the Father full of grace and truth. And, and Peter speaks of this in 2 Peter 1. And then you think of Stephen. Remember Stephen? One of the, one of the deacons in the church who's who's... Taken by the Jews, and he's 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 he gets rocks thrown at him. They're gonna kill him. It's stoning, they're, they're gonna kill him. And what does the scripture say in Acts chapter 7, verse 55? It says, But he, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. He saw the glory of God. Think about Paul himself. Paul was blinded by the glory of God, remember? And you may say, but Pastor Jeff, what about us? We haven't seen the glory of God. Yes, you have. Well, no, I haven't. I haven't seen it. I haven't looked upon the glory. No, maybe you haven't looked upon it physically with your eyes. But here's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ christ i would tell you that if you read any of the gospels about jesus you're reading about the glory of god maybe we don't see it physically but in our mind's eye we can understand somewhat of the glory of god and here's the thing about the glory of god when you taste a little bit of the glory of god you want oh so much more moses spoke to god face to face crazy But even after that, Moses says, show me your glory. He wants more, right? Here's Stephen. He's being uh, killed by rocks, by stoning. And he's looking up. He sees the glory of God. And he's so mesmerized by that, that he doesn't even care that rocks are pummeling him, hitting him in the stomach, in the face, in the head, in the nose. He doesn't even care because he's enthralled with the glory of God. When you've tasted a little bit of the glory of God, you want, oh, so much more. And so there's this day that Paul talks about here in which the glory of God will be revealed to us. And I don't have time to look there, but John chapter 17 and verse 24, Jesus prays that us, us here today would experience his glory someday. It's coming. Someday the glory of God will be revealed to us in fullness. Amen? That's what it means to have confident assurance of the, of the glory of God, that his glory will be revealed to us. But there's a second aspect that we need to understand. And it is this that not only will the glory of God be revealed to us, but but listen carefully, but that the glory of God would be revealed in us. What? In us? I mean, it's one thing to see the glory of God, but you're, you're saying I could have the glory of God in me? Yes, Colossians chapter 3, verse 4 says, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And John tells us in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, beloved, we are God's children now when what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, listen, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. Yes, the glory of God in us. It, it, it's crazy to think, and I would tell you this, that we're in process right now. The glory of God is, if we are allowing it, in process making its home in us. So Paul puts it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another for this comes uh, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit we are being transformed the glory of God in us not just being revealed to us but re- being revealed in us and Paul says this is what we boast in our confident assurance that not only will the glory of God be revealed to us, but ultimately one day it will be fully revealed in us. And guess what? This is only possible because of justification. It's only possible because our sins have been forgiven when by grace through faith we put our trust in Jesus and we are justified. Our sins have been forgiven. We've been wrapped in the righteousness of God. Not only do we have peace with God, not only do we have this, this incredible dwelling of grace from God, but we also have this hope, this confident assurance of the glory of God being revealed to us and being revealed in us. You see, here's what we're trying to say this morning. The greater the knowledge, the greater the appreciation. Now listen, I could have gone off so much more on these things. I'm really disappointed I couldn't. Because this is amazing stuff. The more you get into it, the more you study it, the more you you come to comprehend what my salvation is all about, honestly, the more joy, the more peace, the more comfort, the more excitement, the more enthusiasm you have, the bolder you are to talk to other people about this same thing, the more confidence you have in your relationship with Him. Because guess what? If I'm in the righteousness of Christ, praise God, nothing I mean, nothing will separate me from the Father. There is incredible stuff that comes when we have greater knowledge of our salvation. And so we, we, we have just looked at these three things. And so today, I just want to bring some application points. Will you allow me to? First of all, let us not ever take our salvation for granted. I gotta be honest with you, I do a lot. I do it a lot. Yeah, I'm saved. Yeah, when I was five, I trusted in Jesus. Yeah, yeah, now it, now I'm off to better things. Wrong. Salvation is the better thing. And it's the most wonderful thing as we grow and learn. So let us never take our salvation for granted. In fact, let me quote Martin Luther one more time. He says, This article of justification is fragile. Not in itself, of course, But in us, I know how quickly a person can forfeit the joy of the gospel. He's just pointing out, more joy you have, the more you recognize and hold on to justification, the more joy you have. Let's never take our salvation for granted. Let's always be amazed by it. Let's be overwhelmed by it, enthralled with it. Let's study it. Let's grow in it all the more and more and more. And this morning, I have to ask my second application is this. Have you been justified by grace through faith? Is this true of you, what we've been talking about today? How can it be true of you today? Admit. Admit, believe, and receive. Admit that you are a sinner. Admit today that like the Apostle Paul who said in, in uh, Romans chapter 3 and verse 9 that you're one of those who's, who, who speaks about there's none righteous, no, not one. And in verse 23, admit that you are a sinner. Just like it says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Admit it before the Lord. Guess what? He already knows it. He's not going to go, really? I didn't know that. You're admitting it really to yourself. we got a bunch of stuff going on in our culture that says everybody's good no they're not everybody is a sinner we we are sinners so admit it secondly will you believe that jesus died on the cross and that he took the wrath of god that should have been yours That God the Father poured out that cup of wrath upon Him instead of you? Will you believe it? Will you believe that Jesus rose again on the third day, proving He is the victor over sin and over death? Will you believe that? And then finally, thirdly, will you receive Jesus as your Savior today? You can do it right now. It doesn't take anything. You don't have to pay money. You don't have to attend church so many times. You don't have to be good enough. You just admit you're a sinner believe Jesus, died on the cross and rose again, and receive Jesus as your Savior. And then finally, my third application point is this. If you are finding that you're one of those who maybe you've been a Christian since you've been five like me, which is not that long ago, and maybe you are discovering that you've lost the joy of your salvation, and, and and maybe it looks like this: you're you're looking over here to stuff of earth, thinking that's where happiness comes. Oh yeah, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I'm I got fire insurance. I'm not going to hell. I I'm going to heaven. But this stuff looks so much more fun. There seems to be so much more joy over here. And maybe you're losing the joy of your salvation. Looks like that. Or maybe it just looks like indifference and apathy. Maybe you're like, huh, I guess I got to go to church again to be a good christian and so you come and you go home and it doesn't do anything and your relationship with the lord is not going anywhere and you are apathetic i want to encourage you to discover the joy of your salvation today here's what i encourage you to do this week if that's you in fact even if it's not you i encourage all of us to go back every day this week and read through romans up to chapter 5 verse 2 If you can't read all of that, then at least start at chapter 3, verse 9, through 5, verse 2. Start there and and read about this. Read about your justification. Focus in on it. And listen, don't get tripped up on the things you don't understand. Focus in on what you do understand. Okay? And spend time praying and especially praising God, for these things that are true about our salvation. Will you do that? I know it's time to go, and so allow me to pray as the worship team comes up. Father, thank you so much for the incredible, incredible results and aspects of our salvation. Father, even when we don't fully comprehend them, they are absolutely true nonetheless. And so, Lord, I pray for us that we would gain more knowledge of our salvation, that we would have more appreciation for it. Father, I pray for those in this place today who maybe have never put their trust in Jesus, who have never got to that point where they have admitted they are sinners and separate from you and objects of your wrath, never believed, come to the point of belief in Jesus and what he's done on the cross and by his resurrection, and they've never received Jesus as their Savior. Lord, I pray today would be the day of their salvation. And Father, may we never, ever take our salvation for granted. May we never be ho-hum about it. May it always excite us. May we always rejoice when we contemplate what you have done for us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.